0: Hello students and welcome back to the lore of the Iron Kingdoms with me, Professor Castor. Today we are going to be talking about the Grey Lords of Kodor, along with finishing up any of the odds and ends of characters and or units we haven't talked about, including the Doom Reavers, uh, the War Dog, Old Grim, and then Colden, Captain Valachev. But we will be finishing up the rest of Kodor today, and then in the following weeks we'll be reading through some of the older history in the archives of both Kodor and Circle Oberos. But before we begin, for everybody that knows what the Greylords are great, for everybody that doesn't, we're going to read a little bit from the archives of what they did before they were, well, terminated in Mark IV, but we will go over that in a little bit. Grey Lord's Covenant. The Grey Lord's Covenant is the premier occult orderer in the service of the Motherland and is an effectively the arcane branch of the Cadorn army. Accomplished arcanists, patriots, and soldiers together make up one of the most formidable organizations in Western Amoran. Individual Grey Lords are integrated into the army, usually in small teams, and serve alongside infantry officers. But their leader, the High Abavnik Orbiter, answers the Great Vizier... Sumavev Blustovya, not the High Command. Waylords are sometimes tasked with special assignments and secret priorities as an aspect of their occult expertise, which makes some officers uneasy. And the reason that it makes some officers uneasy is because how secret of these occult things do they discover? And it was discovered right at the, well, I suppose the end of Mark 3, beginning of Mark 4, that these Greylords happened to be working with some Infernals to increase their occult knowledge and power, and the Motherland saw fit to remove most of them in their favorite way of the Widowmaker's Bullet. However, a very few Greylords actually survived this. Um, They usually survived this by turning against their order and taking out the Greylords themselves, not knowing their comrades had turned to the Infernals, or maybe it was a way to kind of save face and not be killed by the Widowmakers. But we do see a few Arcanists that were once part of the Greylord Order that are no longer called Greylords. But, but we'll move into these old archives and read about their past Greylords and the heights of which they succeeded in the magic. Also, a fun fact, these guys were part of the Fraternal Order of Wizardry of Signar before they were called back to the Motherland. Uh, taking the knowledge with them that they gained in the Wizardry Order. And uh, that includes the cortexes that these guys are known to help make. Because, well, even though they can't use Warcast or Warjacks, they can create cortexes for Kodor and Warjacks. But let's begin with the Greylord Turnian. Like the winter sky, you will watch over the land of Kodor. Like the winter storm, you will scour the land of our enemies. King Levish Tevesky. The premier occult order in service of the Motherland, the Greylords are effectively the arcane branch of the Ghidoran military. Even the lowest-ranked members of the Covenant is an experienced officer as versed in the High Command's doctrines, as in lethal ice magic of the Order. The Arcanist, who would found the Greylord Covenants were originally a splinter of the Signarn dominated Fraternal Order of Wizardry. Heeding the call of King Lavesh-Tbeski in 243-AR, the Kadoran-born members of the Fraternal Order chose patriotism over other loyalties and left the Fellowship. Taking with them many of the most closely guarded mechanical secrets, the Fraternal Order remains the greatest rival to this day, having never forgiven the Covenant for stealing the secrets of Cortex fabrication. The Covenant has always acted on behalf of a motherland, and this has ensured them an exalted place in the Cadorn military. The vital roles Greylords fill include manufacturing Cortexes for Kadoran Warjacks, supervising and gathering the vital intelligence through the Prit'gav Chancellery, and working to expand Kodor's arcane weaponry. Some delve deep into the ancient mysteries left in Orgoth ruins and catacombs, searching for weapons to use against Kodor's enemies, no matter how terrible or dangerous. Ultimately, it is on the battlefield that Southerners are most likely to encounter Covenant members, trained to operate in groups of three known as Turnians. They are formidable combatants. Individually, each Greylord can summon a Winter Gale to conceal their allies and hurl deadly blasts of ice and hail through their fingertips, shredding foes with the fury of the Winter Storm. But when all members of the Turnian turn their attention to a single opponent, they can halt even a charging warjack beneath a prison of ice. Hey, that actually kind of covered what we uh, we talked about before. Uh, yes, these guys are splinter groups, which I imagine Signar is still pretty butthurt about even to this day. But that, that does seem to happen. But these guys are actually crazy a wizard group and... With their three of them focusing on one person with a blizzard, they can freeze them to the spot. So if they can hit an elf a couple times, uh, well, everybody else can hit that elf too, because that elf ain't going nowhere. But let's read over their Mark III to Mark IV changes and see what we got already appears from their original set, uh, they're still a speed 6, still a mat of 5, still an armor of 13, and they still have immunity to frost, although immunity to frost doesn't mean they don't take damage from it, it means when they are taking damage from a frost attack, now they just take one less dice of a damage, which is still more or less immunity, at least it doesn't stop all the kind of damage. One of the major things they lost was battle wizard. so now they can't uh, kill something and then cast a magic attack unfortunately, and then their magic ability has dropped down to a 6 instead of their original 7. And it appears they have lost their Blizzard, which was a 3-inch AoE that they could toss around. And then they've lost Bonds of Woe, which was a spell, pow 12, that whenever you killed an enemy model, they turned into a Doom Reaver Swordsman, which I imagine because they changed up the theming list on these guys, it was no longer necessary, but the spells they did get was in power, so, they can remove corrupt, or remove disruption from a war deck, and then give them one focus point. And then they were given Ice Bolt, which is still a, an attack, a range 10 arcane attack, and hit suffers a POW 12 cold damage roll, and on a critical hit, they become stationary. And then, of course, they have kept their Ice Cage, which is the one that if they hit that person that three times, they're frozen. If they hit them once, it's a negative two. So... Or negative two to their defense so you can slow people down if you you know hit them three more times they are frozen so that's good at least they got a little bit changed up unfortunately their magic is a little bit less accurate than it was but there's probably other people that can increase these guys accuracy with their magic attacks uh, also their rune axe is still a magical weapon and still does a pow 10 so well, not much has changed outside of them changing those two spells and losing battle wizard So maybe that's to help kind of balance it out. We'll see how it is. Uh, They are also a point cheaper to play with, so maybe that was the balance. But Let's move on. Greylord Outriders, Kodor Light Cavalry Unit. What's worse than a wizard? A wizard on horseback. Uh, One cannot escape winter. An arcane order is the only as strong as its lines of communication, and none are better at ensuring vital missives reach their destination than the Greylord Covenant. The majority of its outriders are lower-ranking members who serve the Order by keeping lines of communications open between far-flung strongholds. Bearing the Courier Badge, these skilled horsemen have the right to travel throughout Kodor without hindrance and quickly learn the terrain of every corner of the Empire. As a neophyte, or uchnik, each Greylord undergoes a battery of tests to find his place, while senior members guide him to reach his full potential. Those who show an aptitude for riding and who prefer work outside the confines of the stronghold may be cultivated into the outriders by the time they become Rastoviks or Grey Lords who have completed their training. These young warriors learn to survive across some of the harshest landscapes in Western Amoran. They are shown how to find food, escape detection and use their innate gifts. Veterans drill them to hit and run tactics. So they learn how to avoid being caught in the middle of battle above all Throughout their training they are taught to deliver their dispatches no matter the cost. Those who survive and relish this role become leaders among the Outriders, but most will step down to serve the Order in other ways. At an Outriders command, dizzying flurries of snow and ice hide the squad from opposing eyes, allowing them to charge past even the most severe opposition unhindered. Cold seems to flow from their very spirits and can be directed into blasts of frozen air capable of shattering iron. And stopping enemy soldiers in their tracks. And these guys are incredibly quick. Like, like incredibly, even compared to elves, these guys are fast. Uh, running at a speed 9, these guys can clear a battlefield uh, real quick. And if anybody's ever gone up against uh, cavalry units, I'd rather go up against any other cavalry unit than one that can throw ice and slow down the entire unit that you're trying to attack them with. So, yeah, these guys are a pretty dang scary, but let's read their Mark 3 to Mark IV changes, shall we? Alrighty, appears they did not change their ungodly speed. It's still a 9, they are still a mat 5, still a defense 13, and still an arm 15, which is phenomenal. Uh, for whatever reason, they do not have their melee weapon on them which i imagine is probably just uh like to to just need an update on that one but i imagine they probably still running their same rune axe at a at a pow 10 so that is phenomenal but let's read over their spells and see what has changed oh also they're still immune to frost damage as well and then they were given a breakthrough so they're not stopped if they're running past people so they can charge through people and be able to hit models on the other side um well, at least past people, not through people. They're not acrobats or anything like that. Let's read over their spell list. Alrighty, appears that they removed their Winter's Wind, um, which was uh, the ability to give a model uh, freezer, which was a super overpowered thing that some models still have. Which makes it so if you end your activation within two inches of them, you automatically become stationary so they can just, you know, have their way with you at that point. Uh, But that was removed from this guy. Maybe it was a little bit too OP'd. Uh, They still have their Frostbite Spray, which is a Power 12 8-inch spray. So that is that but they did make it a little bit better for the new one um, on a critical hit now every model hit becomes stationary for one round unless it has a resistance to cold originally didn't have that particular thing um they still are snowed wreath which means they automatically have concealment getting their defense up to a 15 against ranged weapons And then they still have reposition, but the reposition went down to a 3 instead of a 5. I imagine that's because they're already a speed 9 model, which is insane. Um, Other than that, not much has changed about these guys outside of them removing Battle Wizard again. Um, Which, for these guys, if they're not going to give them a weapon, maybe that's what it was. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's just an oversight from Privateer Press. We'll see what the updates bring. Uh, they'll probably get it, because they're probably getting a bunch of dings from us in the field about, hey, where are these guys' weapons at? But let's move on to the Greylord adjunct, or it's kind of like... I imagine they're kind of like a Lord in training with a Warcaster, or just somebody that makes the Warcaster spells way more effective. But let's read over what we can find on them. Uh we're probably going to have to go find some additional things because I do not think they are actually in these archives. Or at least they are, but we're going to have to fiddle through. Uh, thank you again, War Machine or Iron Kingdom's wiki. Greylord adjuncts are under training arcanists of the Greylord Covenant who are sent to accompany and assist senior members on the battlefield as part of their training. This gives the young Greylords valuable lessons on warfare. While the senior Greylords are freed from their mundane task, allowing them to focus on more critical work. In battle, the main duty of an adjunct is to defend his mentor from enemy Arcanist by casting powerful defensive wards, which allow the senior Arcanist to concentrate entirely on the destruction of foes. So yes, a a Greylord in training, keeping the Warcasters alive, because every Warcaster in Kodor has Greylord training, somewhere because they are magicians as well as apt leaders for kodor but let's read about their mark three to mark four changes i'll see if anything's gone but these guys are very useful to have regardless because anytime you can get like an attachment or you can get somebody to make your warcaster better it's always a good thing to have Alrighty, still a speed six still a magic attack of six still a mat of five I'm um, still a defense of 13, an arm 13, and immunity to frost magic, as every Grey Lord seems to be. And their spells still include um, Blizzard, so they can still cast that little AOE uh, to block line of sight. Uh, they still have a Frostbite, which is still a spray of eight and a pound twelve. Although now it does the critical freeze effect. Uh, they removed their guidance, which used to give war, or used to give friendly models eyeless sight. ...and magic damage, but they did replace it with Spell Slave, which is kind of an epic spell... ...because it allows you to cast your your Warcaster's spells of 3 or less, or like the cost of 3 or less focused. But the only downside is that they cannot cast upkeep spells. Uh, they can't cast any ranged spells that say self or control. So that will done up. So they can only cast offensive spells, so if you have a Warcaster who has a lot of offensive spells... He can start really getting these guys throwing some hard magic that he usually casts himself. And they left him with spiritual conduit, which uh, as long as he's within 10 inches of his leader, uh, his leader gets plus 2 range to his spells that he casts. So that's great, although they did remove the arcane assist, so you can no longer use him to help uh, upkeep one of the spells for free. Uh, unfortunately um, i think the spell slave kind of makes up for that cuz that really does allow him to cast some pretty nasty spells off your warcaster's list although the warcasters that are more utility that have like you know up, a lot of upkeep spells or a lot of self or things like that usually aren't the best for these guys just cuz these guys need offensive spells to be able to do some do some good work and make and get them up to 11 so that is unfortunate they do still have their mechanical magic sword which still does a pound nine so if they do ever have to get an melee they have that ability so yeah a little better a little worse spell slave is always a very useful spell especially depending on what warcaster you throw them with but let's move on to the more high ranking grey lords and see how they match up to these low ranking guys we of course are talking about the Coldun lord cold or grey lord solo southerners equate knowledge to the flame but in the north we know ice preserves secrets against time's withering touch. Colden Lord Volk Lazar. Grim master of elemental cold, Colden Lords have icy stares that seem to freeze the blood of those who meet their gaze. These masters of axe and lore represent the ideal of the Grey Lords Covenant and command tremendous respect from their peers who hope to one day join their number. When the Colden Lord takes to war, they sometimes lead turnians of Greylords eager to prove their valor and arcane prowess. The Colden Lord themselves are veterans of years of service and have perfected the melding of combat and sorcery. With each kill they make, they further embolden, casting forth freezing death in a whirling wind of melee. Colden Lords often control Cadorn Warjacks in battle. These machines serve as both weapons and bodyguards. Weaving occult spells of protection, a Colden Lord can make his warjacks like a shifting iron wall. These jacks move by the Lord's will to interpret a blow or spell hurled against the Grey Lords and serve better than a shield or mortal protector. Indeed, many Colden Lords once spent time mastering the secret art of cortex construction. And know better than most how to instill superior combat performance in warjacks. And even though these guys don't control them like a warcaster who is able to mentally take control of a warjack and be able to use focus to help, get, you know, get it to its next level, these guys are very aware of the construction of warjacks. They make, they are very aligned to how they run, and they can make modifications to those cortexes so they run even better for them if they need them. Um, so these guys are very dangerous, and if they have a War jack, great. Um, but that means they do have a Jack Marshall, but we'll see if a Mark IV changes that. But let's go over to the Mark III and Mark IV changes to see what happens to their spell list and see if these guys get any better, get any worse, but let's find out. It appears their stat line's the same. Still a speed six, still a mat of six, still a magic attack of eight, still a defense of 13, and arm 13. And these guys still have Battle Wizards, so thank goodness. However, these guys now give Grey Lords within 10 inches of them Battle Wizards. So that's probably why they lost Battle Wizard from the previous two, because this guy gives it to them. So you can make them one large army of Battle Wizards. Makes them even more dangerous as long as they have a Coldum Lord, which actually makes sense to their lore that, you know. Other Turnians follow these guys around because, well, these guys are the leaders. Some of the things that these guys lost, they lost the Prowl ability, unfortunately, so they can't just be disappeared in their clouds again. Uh, they also lost their Lore Master ability, which allowed other other Grey Lords to cast, models from the, or, <laughs> cast spells on this model as if they were their own, so that's unfortunate. Uh, these guys haven't been a... Warjack Commander for a bit, unfortunately. I think they lost that at the end of Mark 3 or the end of Mark 2. I don't know. I forget when they lost it. Uh, the spells they still have, they still have Brittle Frost, which is a range 10, POW 10 weapon, and models hit, suffer minus two arm for one turn, unless they're immune to cold. They still have Puppet Master, which uh, you can cast on a model or unit, both friendly and enemy, and allows you to re-roll one attack or a damage roll so that is pretty sweet and they still have wind ravager which models within six inches cannot make ranged attacks uh, i believe that's about the yeah because on the original it says command range on the new one it says six inches so we'll just go with that their rune axe is still a pound 10 magic weapon and it still has critical dispel on it so on a critical hit Upkeep spells and anime on that model slash unit, it are immediately expired. So, this guy is great in melee at taking on low armored targets. Do not try to get him to go up against a man of war. Uh, do not try to get him to go up against anything heavier than, like, say, a 16 armor, because if he doesn't kill it, it is going to be a big problem for him, because he does only have a defense 13 and an arm 13, so he can be killed off relatively easily. Uh, but That is what we got there. Um, Any better? (laughs) A little bit. Any worse? A little bit. I don't know. His ability to give every Grey Lord within 10 inches Battle Wizard makes them even more dangerous because they can just charge in and do some crazy damage. But let's move on. Uh, We're going to be talking about a Colden Lord that I've only ever heard about. And I've seen that he used to be able to take over uh, Mercenary units and make them Cadoran units because at his command they become... Kadoran units, which is very interesting in the long run, and well, a little bit broken in you know game run, but let's go over. Colden Captain Valachev. Men can be motivated to fight by many things. Valachev prefers fear. Colden Commander Aleskres Terkova. Captain Valachev is known for a grim pragmatism, notable even among the Grey Lords of the Prikaz Chancellery, tasked with carrying out the most secretive of missions. He is a specialist at commanding irregular soldiers such as mercenaries and pardoned criminals. His men have no illusion about their hopes of survival, but consider their chances better than if they crossed the merciless Velichev. Although Valachev is an accomplished arcanist, his real brilliance rests in the political intrigue backed by an unflinching will to carry out any tasks. These traits brought him the attention of the Prigras Chancellery. Early in his career, the Chancellery has used of ambitious men, particularly those as motivated as Valachev by political power as a cult study. The Chancellery soon inducted him into the depths of their shadowy training, and he emerged one of Kador's premier operatives. Before the invasion of Lael, Valachev led hand-picked bands of mercenaries on missions deep within Signar and Ord. Many of the mercenaries he led were only barely willing soldiers who received nominal pay and felt motivated primarily due to Prikov's chancellery's extortion as exerted through Valichev. Some were taken from the gulags of the Winter Guards because they possessed a necessary set of skills. Survivors were well paid and in most cases had their records wiped clean. Valachev's objectives are so secret that only he and his masters in the Prikov chancellery know them. He arrives among the staff tents of the commanders and commandants without deigning to explain his plans. With saber and spell, Valachev obtains victory for his country and ensures one day he will take a place among the secret powers of his nation. And this guy is very secretive, and I've always been curious on how he forces units to obey his will and turn them into actual Kodor units, but I imagine whenever your options are either death, prison, or working with Valachev and having your records cleaned out, uh, I imagine you're just going to go with Valachev, because that seems like a better option if you have that option, so yeah. Let's read over his Mark III to Mark IV changes, because I believe he has changed quite a bit from his Mark III self. Uh, He's still a speed 6, still a mat 6, still a magic attack of 7, still a defense of 13, an arm of 13, and immunity to frost magics. And his saber is still a POW 9 magic weapon, so let's read over his spell list and see what has changed. Uh, He is still a a battle wizard. Uh, Looks like he lost his ranking officer ability, unfortunately, so now he is just a character solo. Um, So there's that, so he's just a regular Greylord now. Um, I imagine maybe he did rank up in Mark IV, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I have not read any of his books. I imagine there are books for somebody as secret as this guy, because the lore books are uh, pretty fantastic for these types of characters. Um, Let's go over his spells. All right, spells he lost, he lost his binding. He lost his Zephyr spell, which allowed his units to move three inches, which makes sense since he's no longer a ranking officer, he would not need that spell. Uh, He still has his Frostbite spell. I think every Greylord has Frostbite spell. It is the Spray 8, POW 12, that on a critical freezes people, well, gives them stationary. Uh, He still has, well, he was given Ice Cage, uh, which was the spell that if you're hit by Ice Cage by three or more models, you are now stationary, but normally it would just do A-2 to your defense. Uh, And then he was given Winter's Wind, which this is the one that he can cast it on a friendly faction model uh, that doesn't with resistance to cold, so he can cast it on another like Greylord model. Um, and then it gives them Freezer, so if anybody ends their activation within two inches of a person with Freezer, they became stationary. So uh, he has now become more of a normal Greylord model, instead of his original self being able to run Mercenary units and give them all sorts of interesting abilities in the field. So I'm curious what has changed in his storyline, or maybe they're just trying to nerf him down. Maybe he was a little bit too powerful, maybe he was game-breaking mechanics... It could be a little bit of everything, but unfortunately this guy is just a standard Greylord solo at this point. But that's still good to have, regardless, because having another guy with Ice Cage and, and somebody that can put Winter's Wind on somebody is always a very useful. But let's move on. One of the major things that the Greylords have found in their studies would be the Orgoth weaponry, which, you know, most swords that Orgoth used were usually cursed with some kind of fell magics or, you know, other magics that, well, humans don't use, um, thus creating people that were insane, like the Doom Reavers, and that's why we have included them under the Greylord list, because without the Greylords, Doom Reavers would not exist, and would have saved the world all sorts of awfulness, because Doom Reavers are awful people, or awful at this point. Well, they were awful people to begin with, and then it became more awful when they were given these blades. But let's read about them and we can learn more about the awfulness that they have created. But let's read what the archive says about Doom Reavers in general. The K'dorn's commitment to victory at any cost is plainly evident in their use of the dreaded Doom Reavers. Commanded by Arcanists of the Greylord Covenant, Doom Reavers are conscripted from the ranks of convicted criminals, most often soldiers found guilty of gross insubordination. Greylords chain these men to a nightmarish spell blades. Relic weapons once crafted by the Orgoth, A fate some argue is worse than death. Doom Reavers. I am not sure the wisdom of employing such madmen. Our control over them is tenuous at best. Great Prince Vladimir Tepesky. Kodor is dotted with ancient ruins from the Orgoth era. And many of the Blackstone temples, fortresses, and hidden catacombs are now buried below ground. Occult scholars have picked through several of these sites, such as the ones below the great city of Kardav. It was there the Grey Lord Covenant unearthed a large cache of the infamous fell blades. Swords adorned with howling faces that shift eerily at the fringes of vision are painful to the sight. Saturated with tainted magic, the dark blades seem to come alive when wielded. Swordsmen unfortunate enough to pick up these powerful weapons descend into savage and homicidal madness as they experience incomprehensible whispers in their minds. Even in their sleep the swordsmen heard foreign babbling, stoking them to acts of bloodshed. These men lashed out with the berserk abandoned in double strength, killing anything that crossed their path. To assist in the war effort, the Crown decided to bind these blades to wayward prisoners, particularly soldiers who had been found guilty of gross insubordination or other military crimes. The Gweylords turned these men into doom-reavers, chained to their fell blades and directed into battle by their urges. The Baden swordsmen can be only nominally controlled in conflict. Though the Kadorn Wizards have done what they can to restrain them, Doom Reavers undermine the morale of even the stoutest veterans, but sometimes this has earned them their share of bloody victories. So long as they persevere, they will continue to be employed despite the argument that Felblades are too dangerous and should never have been unleashed in the first place. And these guys are so dangerous that most armies usually just have these guys by themselves, because you don't want to put these guys with like Winter Guard units or Manowar units, because yeah, these guys are pretty disturbing to even be near. And they have the they have the unfortunate thing that they will start killing everything around them. So you don't want anybody to have anything near these guys unless they have some way to control them, which outside of the Grey Lord Order, you don't. So you got that. Let's read their Mark 3 to Mark 4 changes and see if they've gotten any better, any worse. These guys weren't really complicated to begin with, but we will see what we got going on here. Alrighty, appears there still a Speed 6, still a Mat 7, still a Defense 13, still a uh, Armor 14. They still have Tough, they still have Advanced Deployment because, well, I imagine you probably couldn't keep these guys on a line if you wanted to because they're going to be trying to drive towards the enemy as quickly as they can. Um, They were given ambush now, so you can actually drop these guys all sorts of places after deployment, which is a great, especially as dangerous as these guys are. Uh, Their fell blades are still a range 2, pow 12. Uh, They are weapon masters as well, so these guys are even more dangerous than that. Uh, these guys can only be run in units of five now so thank goodness for anybody that has to go up against these guys and their weapon is still a magic weapon as well and surprise surprise they still have berserk so after they destroy a model and they will attack another model in their melee range regardless if it's friendly or enemy Um, that's what makes them so dangerous especially with that two inch reach and now they don't have any, uh, since they have 360-degree vision now and Mark IV, it makes them even gives them even more targets to hit, so you can't just have your good guys behind them. Um, then they also have spell words, so they still can't be targeted by spells, any spells, friendly or enemy, which makes them fantastic, so they can't be nerfed. So, yeah, these uh, tough, crazy guys running into combat and just killing off entire units and then looking for more things to kill makes them super dangerous, and with ambush now makes them even more dangerous because you don't know what angle they're coming at you from. But let's read about their unit attachment or leader model that has some form of control over them. Well, as small and tenuous at best. But we we're going to talk about the Greylord Escort. I don't know what's more frightening the madness of Doom Reavers or that the sane man willing to walk among them. Doom Reavers are one of Kodor's most terrifying and useful weapon assets, despite their blood crazed disregard of whether they are striking friend or foe. Driven mad by the whispers of their fell blades, They are consumed with an insatiable desire for killing, and it is the responsibility of the Greylord who goads them into battle to direct their hostilities towards appropriate targets. These occultists have applied considerable resources to the study of the Felblade and the dark magic of the Orgoth in an effort to maintain a mental leash on those who wield them. These Greylords have met with some success in blunting or at least diverting the Doom Reavers' hunger for slaughter through the use of Orgoth talismans and other relics. Only the most courageous of the Greylords are chosen to accompany the barbarous Doom Reavers into battle, to be nearby when the insane warriors are overcome with their frenzies. These escorts are generally at least of Vrastovic rank and are invariably experts in the field of Orgoth studies as well as formidable battlefield arcanists. Moving amid the Doom Reavers like a handler of vicious beasts, each Greylord carries a staff of Orgoth design. His will is exerted through this dark artifact, restraining the Doom Reavers from murdering one another as they rip into the enemy. As he speaks, the faces of the staff echo his words in their own forgotten language, compelling wielders of the Felblade to follow his commands. He channels their rage into necromantic energy that bestows near impervious to injuries. Gaping wounds close on their own accord as the Orgoth weapon whispers amongst themselves. Yeah, that's even scarier. A sane man wanting to walk with a bunch of Doom Reavers and using a mutating staff that you know echoes his echoes his orders in some disturbing sound. Yeah, that sounds even creepier than the Doom Reavers. But you have to you have to have some kind of control over them, I imagine, because you can't just you know have a bunch of crazed lunatics uh, trying to take you know orders from high command. So. Let's read about their Mark 3 to Mark 4 changes, see if they've gotten any better, see if they've gotten any worse, see if they stayed the same. They're probably staying the same. All right, still a speed 6, still a magic attack 7, still a mat of 5, defense 13, arm 13, immunity to frost as every Greylord is. And they were also giving ambush and advanced deployment. Uh, their weapon is still an Orgoth staff. At a pow ten range two weapon, so it's good that he has the range two weapon with that. All right, one of the things changed. Uh, He used to have combat caster, which allowed him to cast a spell before he moved, Um, but they changed that out for battle wizard. I imagine they imagine he's gonna run in there with his, with his uh, doom reavers as well. Uh, He has, he still has granted silence, which was one of the major things that this guy has. Uh, it allows his models not to use Berserk Attack, so instead of them having to use it, it, he can allow them not to use it if they don't want. And then he still has Sacrificial Pawn, Doom Reaver, so if there's a Doom Reaver within 3 in- inches of him, if he's shot, they will take the shot for him. And then he still has Spell Word, so he can't be targeted by spells, so a uh, fantastic for him. Uh, one of the spells they removed from him is Death Strider, which gave them all of his guys advancing... Uh, Pathfinder, which I guess they decided, hey, you know, we don't need these weapon masters to be any faster than they are. Uh, he still has Curse, which models within 5 loose tough and cannot have damage removed from them, which is great for these guys, because these guys like tearing into people. And then he still has Frostbite, um, which is the Spray 8, POW 12, Cold Damage, and on a critical hit, everything becomes stationary spells, so it makes him a Greylord. So, yeah, not too much has changed outside of the outside of the uh, losing that one spell and losing Combat Caster and replacement for Battle Wizard. So, uh, not super bad, and I feel like it uh, makes them even more dangerous. I would love to see more Doom Reaver armies on the battlefield, because we don't have all that many units that have a Weapon Master and Kodor, so always nice to see them. And, you know, having a bunch of crazy guys wearing helmets and talking swords is always fun to see. Let's move on. Uh, for many of the doom reavers it's seen as a punishment far worse than death but there is one doom reaver that seems to have an enjoyment for being a doom reaver uh, so much in fact that he carries two of the uh, fell blades as well and he just kind of really gets into it he's also close friends with the butcher for some reason um which uh, feel if you friends with the butcher or at least you know close to the butcher as far as kinship that does uh, bring up some very uh, very uncomfortable questions but of course we we're talking about finris Uh, He is a living nightmare. Send him far from the children of the motherland to hunt our enemies where he can trouble our people no more. Colden Fedor. No Doom Reaver, however fearsome, compares to the one called Fenris. Some call him the Unbound, for even the Greylord Covenant cannot govern his actions. He rides to war atop a nightmare steed and wields a pair of fell blades as if the harmony of their combined voices gives him insight into his own inner darkness. The Doom Reavers follow him without hesitation. No one knows the history of the mortal man who became Fenris. The record of his crimes vanished decades ago. Most assume he killed many, but none know their true numbers, much less their names. Some say he was a cannibal raised by the mountain berserkers. Others call him an assassin overwhelmed by the love of killing. Whatever the truth, he took to the fell blades like a man discovering a missing part of himself. Fenris's ability to ignore... The conditioning and mystical restraints imposed on Doom Reavers by the Gweylords proved troubling from the start. He disappeared for days when it suited him, and returned to the camp drenched in blood. The army would have ordered his destruction if not for an outbreak of war. His skillet arms and ease with which he shrugs off injuries might have made his execution difficult, and some believe him possessed by a witch-born immortality. Kadoran military officials speak of Fenris only reluctantly, yet he has found his place. Knowing no other mortal could control him, the commandant remanded Fenris to the command of Orzos Zaktavir, the Butcher of Kardav, and in his company the savage has seemed content. The bond between them cannot be friendship, for they share only the joy of annihilation. The creature Fenris rides is barely recognizable as a horse, and more closely resembles some half-mad monster. Winterguard found the crazy thing wandering after a bloody battle near Ravensgard, and their lieutenant ordered it to be put down after two men died trying to restrain it. Fenris arrived at the slaughter field just before the execution and took the beast for his own. After the battle, it lingers to tear flesh from the bodies of the slain, the only sustenance it seems to require. Yeah, this guy is terrifying, and having two fell blades and being a weapon master on both of those kind of terrifying in its own right and this guy is not just a horse rider dude this guy's a dragoon so after you knock out him off the horse he's still a double fell-bladed wielding doom reaver who does all sorts of fantastic things for his fellow doom reavers uh, but let's read his mark 3 to mark 4 changes and see what see if they change anything see if they add anything let's find out Alright, his mounted stats still the same. He's still a speed 8, still a mat 8, still a defense 13, and mounted he is an arm 16. And his weapons still include a two fell blades at range 2, pow 12, and weapon master to boot. While mounted he was given his breakthrough ability which allows him to ride past models without him having to lose any of his attack attacks or anything like that. So that's a great for him. Uh, for whatever reason, it looks like they removed Berserk from him, so he doesn't have to make additional attacks after his first attack. Uh, which makes his them keeping Blood quenched kind of weird, because if he only has two attacks, he can only get a plus one on his second attack for both strength and armor. Um, I wonder if that's an oversight. Maybe this guy just came onto to the Mark IV, and that sometimes happens. His leadership for his Doom Reavers have changed from them gaining Rise to uh, them gaining Relentless Charge, which gives them the ability to run over, uh, run over terrain without any kind of hindrance, so Pathfinder. Uh, he still has a Reposition 3. Uh, he himself also has Rise ability, so if he was knocked down at the beginning of his maintenance, he, he stands back up while he's mounted. And then he still has a spell word as well, so this guy is super dangerous and he makes he makes Doom Reavers around him uh, super dangerous. I imagine that's why they took the the spell off of the attachment for the Doom Reaver units that I gave them Relentless Charge because he's going to give it to them for free so you don't have to waste the spell on that. Also his weapon changed a little bit and no longer does Grievous Wounds. Uh, what it does, however, do is give him the ability to do combo strikes, so instead of two POW-12 attacks with Weapon Master, he does a POW-16 attack with Weapon Master, which can take out you know Light War Beast or Light War Beast Warjacks pretty easily, uh, but his dismount, uh, he still has Blood Quench, Quenched still has his leadership, uh, so he still gives his Doom Reader's World Discharge, Uh, He still has rise himself, so that's great. Uh, His armor does drop down to a 14, unfortunately. Uh, But his fell Blade, oh, and his speed drops down to a 6. And his fell Blades still have combo strike, where you can use them individually depending on what target you're going after. So this guy is still just as dangerous. Uh, Thank goodness he doesn't give every Doom Reaver rise, but he does give them all Pathfinder, which is probably not that much better. But that is that. Also, he is still tough as well, so fun stuff. But let's move on to the last couple models we have for Kodor, and then that will complete us for our Kodor chapters. One of the most underrated models that uh, or underrated creatures that we have in Kodor that uh, I always seem to have in any of my armies as well, just because they're fantastic. But I couldn't really figure out any other uh, theme list to put these guys in outside of just finishing these guys up with everything else. But that is the War Dog. The breeding of warhounds is a high art in the rugged hills and lowlands of Kodor. Provided one concept of art allows for the likelihood of having one's fingers chewed off by 200 pounds of raw muscle. Many competing philosophies exist concerning the best execution of the time-honored tradition of breeding war dogs. The entire family line stake their reputation and honor on the fighting prowess of these animals. Cadoran officers commonly bring these beasts to the battlefield and look to them as both companions and protectors. While the ignorant prefer the most bloodthirsty and savage war dogs, experts consider such traits the lowest expression of breeding. Those who know the fine war dog typically prizes high loyalty as its best asset. This holds particularly true for warcasters, who must necessarily divide their attention between their warjacks troops, and opponents' activities. Warcasters cannot afford to disrupt their concentration to discipline an unruly beast at their side, and they much favor the Kozovic-bred bull mastiffs. as a result. This stout animal shows great aptitude for training and demonstrates an instinctive desire to bond with and protect their human master. With finely trained war dogs standing ready, a Warcaster can focus on other matters, while the Hound serves as another set of eyes on the battlefield. Such dogs latch onto the enemies with bone-crushing jaws and refuse to let go. They hinder more dangerous threats until their Warcaster can deal with the situation. And the strength of the dogs' loyalty means they will gladly give up their lives to save those to whom they have bonded. And these guys are fantastic. These guys have been fantastic since they came out. And having these attached to a Warcaster makes your Warcaster even more beefy on the battlefield. And I appreciate these guys every time I have them. Also, for whatever reason, they seem to get shot at a lot by my opponents. Because, well, when they make your Warcaster a lot better, um, usually they get knocked around quite a bit for late game uh, late game removals. But let's read their Mark III to Mark IV changes and see if they've gotten better, see if they've gotten worse, or the like. Already, their speed is still a seven, Matt is still a six, uh, defense is still a, a 13, uh, armor is still 14, and they still are tough. Uh, and their bite is still a POW 11, which it's kind of crazy that that is stronger than Grey Lords. Unfortunately for the Grey Lords, they do not hit very hard. Uh, one of the things that got removed from this from Mark three to Mark four is counter charge. So he no longer has the ability to charge out of turn at a model that comes within six inches and then immediately return back to the warcaster afterwards. Um, I believe in Mark IV they were trying to remove a lot of these out of turn actions as well to kind of speed up the games, which makes sense. Uh, he still has Guard Dog, so while he's within 3 inches of his leader, and he's not back down or stationary, its leader will gain plus 2 defense against melee attack rolls and cannot be knocked down himself. Uh, also, he has Return as well, so after he charges out and attacks an enemy on his own turn, Uh, he can you know race back to his leader model without well it's kind of like a reposition but you know when the when the thing can charge out 10 inches to you know go hit somebody and come back that's actually really useful Uh, and then he was uh, given a special action in mark IV called noisy so while within eight of this model enemy models lose stealth so if he if you want to make your enemies models have stealth uh, really noticeable to your Warcaster, just have this guy run out, run out to them and run his actions so everybody within 8 of him loses stealth. So if you're going up against people like Elves or you're going up against, uh, I don't know, Circle Oberos guys that have some stealth models in the woods, uh, this guy can remove it. So very useful there. He'll let people know where things are. But yes, still just as good. Um, they did remove Parry from Guard Dog, but you don't really need Parry anymore because, well... Uh, it'd be cool if they gave him breakthrough, but Perry was removed. Whenever they remove the, you know, your warcaster being hit, but a plus two defense against melee attack rolls is still just as good for your warcaster. But let's move on to the last but not least, Old Grim. He is from our archives from the Ramblings of the Hermit of Hingehold. Also, he is used in Riot Quest as well. For anybody that has played Riot Quest, um, but of course we are talking about Old Grim. Who is technically a Widowmaker Marksman who was killed, but instead of him dying to move on to arcane, he became a Wraith. So uh, he's got some fun abilities there, but let's read about him. No one is sure how or why Old Grimm exists. Pistol Wraiths have long been a known threat from the old Nightmare Empire of Cricks, but a Rifle Wraith? Which Old Grimm appears to be, shouldn't even be possible. Yet despite this, he exists. Old Grim seems to have been a widowmaker in life. If his incorporeal visage is any indication, this fact causes even more perplexes with regard to his origins. All of the scavengers of the waste know that Old Grimm is a downright lethal nuisance. He appears without warning in the distance, shoots a few times at anything alive in his sight, then fades away into the ether. Certain scavenger crew bosses claim to know ways to lure old Grimm to their side temporarily using old mementos and forbidden rituals, but none are willing to share their secrets just yet. Yeah, that's kind of creepy, because most raids usually have, you know, dual pistols, and they do some damage, but they don't quite have the range, so you'll know when they're there. But let's read about his Mark III to Mark IV changes and see if he's gotten any better, because he was pretty spicy in Mark III. All right, let's go over his stats. He's still a speed 6, still a rat of 8, still a defense of 15, um, still an armor of 13. He is still undead, and he is still incorporeal. Now, I know the incorporeal rules have changed a little bit. Incorporeal and ghostly seem to, uh, I don't want to say interchangeable, but I get confused when I'm reading through the two of them, so I won't try to tell you what that is. Have fun looking that up yourself. His weapon of choice is his Vanar Oppressor, and that's why I said he was probably a... He probably a Widowmaker Marksman at one point, because a lot of people don't have the full Vanar set. Uh, it is a range 14, a rate of fire 2, pound 12 weapon, and he has a race shot. So this model can spend a soul token to use race shot. and If it does, it ignores line of sight, concealment, and cover when making the attack. And the attack and damage rolls made by this weapon are boosted. And at a pound 12, that's still super dangerous. But how is he going to get soul tokens? Let's go over that. Alrighty, he still has his uh, apparition from Mark Four. So during your or Mark Three, so during your control range, he still uh, during your control phase, goodness, he moves two inches from his current location. He still has marksman, so he still chooses what branch or column he's doing damage to. He still has sniper ability. He has a basic sniper ability, so he gets it inflicts auto one damage without having to roll anything, and then models that are shot lose their tough. So he kills units pretty quickly and then he has soul taker on top of that so this model can gain soul tokens when this model destroys a living enemy model with an attack it gains that destroyed model soul token so him shooting models 14 inches away with sniper that's how he gains soul tokens and he can carry up to three soul tokens at a time then one of the abilities he also has with souls is once per turn during his activation he can spend a soul token to give himself a plus three defense getting him up to a staggering defense of 18, and that's not even including him being behind like a building or something like that. So, him out in the open when he loses incorporeal to try to shoot something, because I believe that's how it runs. Um, he still has a defense 18, which is just you know staggering. Makes him fantastic. I would love to actually get him for my armies, uh, though his point cost is a six. So he does it does pretty expensive to have him as a sniper on a team, but tell you he kind of pays for himself because. He has a rate of fire 2, so he can shoot twice. He can kill two guys, and he can give himself boosted attack and damage rolls shooting through line of sight, concealment, and cover. My goodness, this guy is a... Well, he's probably the best shooter in Kodor if you think about it, as far as, like, Rat and everything goes. But, uh, yeah. But that concludes the uh, all the models that Kodor has, and that concludes everything that, you know, everything that Kodor can whip out on the battlefield. So I thank you guys so much. If you have listened and stayed with all these courses, I do appreciate it. And without further ado, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you are enjoying this, please like, subscribe. Let me know how you are enjoying this. Let me know um, if you have any other factions you want to have us read about next because that is coming up. Uh, please go to our community page and uh, please make your votes count on that uh, on that chart that I put up a while ago. And thank you, Privateer Press, for letting us read through all this uh, fantastic lore. And when I say that's everything Kodor has to offer, I mean in Legacy, not in Mark IV. Uh, Mark IV we're going to be reading about later once uh, once a little bit more of it gets established and Privateer Press uh, gives me the green light to read it on the channel, which is probably not going to be for a while, which is fine because we have a lot more factions we have to get through before we get up to the Mark IV. But that's it. Uh, We'll see you guys next week, and class dismissed.